The Royals are going to be challenged early on in April, and I'm going to tell you my mentality going into those games. That's coming up on this edition of Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson, and you can give me a follow on Twitter or X at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. You also can catch us on wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube, and now just 20 subscribers away from 1,000, which was our goal at the beginning of the offseason, but really to get it by opening day 2024. So really appreciate everybody spreading the word. Uh, I've been getting a lot of kind words, a lot of kind responses on YouTube. I read them every single day, and that is what motivates me to continue doing this podcast. So really appreciate it. Even if I'm not responding to those, I promise you I am seeing those comments, and it very much means a lot because I want to give the best possible uh, shows and episodes to you guys every single day. and. We're going to be doing that for the next 10 months, that five episodes a week will be coming your way. Uh, sometimes it'll be a little bit unique. We might have two episodes in one day or maybe one it's a stretch to the weekend. I've told you this all week long. It has been a crazy busy week at work for my day job. I work in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Super Bowl, of course, has been dominating uh, this week, so been very busy with that, but also didn't want to keep anybody shorted. Uh, watching this podcast because we know the Royals are right around the corner. We're actually going to be down in Surprise next weekend for a couple of days. We'll be down there for their first full squad workout. We'll be bringing you player interviews. We'll be bringing you live video, uh, daily content, as we try to do every single day, but right there in person. We aren't just going to be talking about it from a distance. We're actually going to be down there. So very, very excited about that. And today's show is still going to be uh, filled with lots of great content from questions, really, that I've been getting from the listeners. Before we do that, I do want to give a shout out to some of our sponsors today, sponsored by Game Time. Go buy your opening day tickets. I'm begging you to go buy your tickets so we can get a sold out Kauffman Stadium for opening day 2024 and use Game Time in doing so. It's so easy to use. They give you the best deals. It takes maybe two to three minutes to get everything locked down. And that's if you know your way around the app. But if you don't, I promise you it's very easy to pick up. And we're also sponsored today by FanDuel. Fun prop bets this weekend for the Super Bowl. Going to have a lot of fun bets being placed in March for March Madness and maybe some future bets uh, for Major League Baseball. As we know, as I said, it's right around the corner. Once the Super Bowl ends on Sunday, my mind completely shifts to baseball. No other sports are going to be really taking front and center for me. Love college basketball. I watch it my whole life, but I know right now the focus has to be baseball with doing this podcast. So uh, we are almost there. The weather's getting warmer. It's been better here in Kansas City, and the content is going to start heating up a little bit more. So if you've been bored, it's been dull, I promise you we got a lot of stuff on the way. But for today, um, we're going to break this down um, kind of in different ways today. Maybe not completely different from what we've done in the past, but I am going to be tying back segment number one here in our final segment today, because I think it all kind of ties in together. But what I wanted to open up the show today with 
is something that J.J. Piccolo actually mentioned at Royals Rally last Saturday. And that was the opening parts of the schedule. And I think everybody is fully aware in Major League Baseball that a quick start, it's not everything, but it does mean a lot. I think the uh, passive fan bases will use April as the, well, it's early, right? It's early. If we go seven and let's say 16, seven and 17, oh, we're just a slow starting team, which the Royals historically have been a very bad April team. And there's other teams that take it very seriously. And it's, hey, we do want to get out to a hot start so we don't bury ourselves in the standings before it starts to heat up a little bit. And I'll be quite honest with you. The Royals are going to be challenged from the get-go. There's not a lot of let-up in April. But I think it's also a very good thing. And J.J. McCullough mentioned that as being a very good thing. You want a team like this to be challenged and tested early on. Um, I thought one of the main reasons why the Royals in 2021 had the best record in baseball through April. One, the schedule was not that tough. Um, Also, two, you were dealing with half-capacity crowds. I'm very excited for the fact that the Royals' first road series of the year is Baltimore. That place is going to be jam-packed. It's going to be rowdy. And it will be a great chance for this team to go play in a fun environment early on in the season. It's going to be cold. Uh, You can't really go in there sluggish you can't go in there flat Uh, and that's what I love about this April schedule but let me just run through it for you real quick because this is uh, quite a daunting schedule we already know the opening series of the year is going to be the AL Central reigning champs and the Minnesota Twins that'll be a three-game set going from March 28th to March 31st as I said that first road series of the year the first series in April will be three in Baltimore You're going to have a Monday night game, Tuesday night game, and then a Wednesday day game very early on in the year. In fact, those first six games, uh, it'll be half of them, or excuse me, four of them, four of the six being day games. All of those Minnesota Twins games, of course, they're going to be during the day, 310 on opening day, yes, and then 310 on Saturday, 110 on Sunday. After the Orioles, you do get a little bit of a let up here. You get a four-game set against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, That'll stretch into the weekend. So a team that is projected to finish dead last in the American League Central. But then the following week, you get the Houston Astros, the reigning American League West champions, coming to Kauffman Stadium. And that's April 9th, 10th, and 11th. Then you go to City Field, you go to Flushing, and take on the New York Mets, one of the highest payroll teams in all of baseball, for a three-game weekend series April 12th through April 14th. Fortunately, another let-up right after that, and playing the White Sox for three, April 15th through the 17th. Then you get your home and home with Baltimore out of the way in April. So maybe that's a good thing. A team that's going to be one of the top seeds in the American League, you're done by April 21st. You get Baltimore for three for a weekend series. That should be really, really fun at Kauffman Stadium, the 19th through the 21st. Right after that, a four-game set with the Blue Jays, another playoff team there. And then near the end of April, you have to go to Comerica for the first time of the year. You'll get the Tigers for three, April 26th, 27th, and 28th. And then to close out April, you get your home and home done with Toronto. You have to go to Rogers Center the 29th, the 30th, and the 1st of May. And to stretch it just a little bit more, the first couple series in May, they're not easy either. Reigning World Series champions at Kauffman Stadium, May 3rd through May 5th, the Texas Rangers. And then you're going to get the Milwaukee Brewers for three, May 6th, 7th, and 8th, before hitting the road for your West Coast road trip in which you're going to see the Angels and the Mariners back-to-back. 
we're not going to go through all the schedule in April because that wasn't the point of this. But you saw right from the get-go, you're going to get Baltimore out of the way. You're going to get Toronto out of the way. You're going to see Detroit, who's going to have higher expectations this year. Uh, you are also going to get the Mets on the road. You're going to get the Astros. You're fortunate to get the White Sox for seven games in April. It's just going to be a tall task, though, for this team right from the start to jump out to a big lead in the standings. That's not what I'm you know, really envisioning with this team. Now, I didn't break down how many games that really is. In fact, we could do it real quickly here on the fly. You've got three against Minnesota, three against Baltimore. There's six, uh, 10 games in. That's with the White Sox. Then you got three, so there's 13 with the Astros, three, 16 with the Mets. You got three more, 19 Chicago, 22 after Baltimore, 25 after, or 26 after Toronto. Then you got 29 and 32. So let's go 32. That's all of April, the end of March, all of April, first part of May. 32 games there. I'm not going to complain with 500 because I would know that schedule's pretty daunting. Getting Baltimore, the number one seed in the uh, the uh, American League last year, I might have said AFC in this podcast. I apologize. It's been a long week at the Super Bowl. But for the American League, you get the number one seed back-to-back, really, almost back-to-back. Toronto, nearly back-to-back. Detroit, uh, New York, you get uh, Houston. Those are tough games for this team. But it's also about weathering the storm here because we all know the American League Central – It's not going to be a a gauntlet. You're not going to have three playoff teams. You're not going to have two 90-win teams. You're going to have a lot of imbalance. There's going to have teams that really slump. I imagine every team in the Central is going to have a losing streak of four to five games at some point. Most of them much longer. I think the White Sox are going to have one much longer. The Royals have not been able to avoid that long losing streak for quite some time. But if you walk out of it, 500 or even something like know 14 and 18 I promise you I can live with it I can live with it because I know how difficult that stretch is and then even the first parts of May Rangers and Brewers back to back now those two series are at home so you get the comfort of Kansas City but I like the challenge I like the test from the get-go because this team needs to be tested I don't need to see them beaten up on you know bad teams all around the American League and the National League I'm glad they're not seeing the Rockies and the Nationals they do get the White Sox for seven games And that is a team I expect to finish dead last in the Central. But you're getting some heavy hitters in there. And I think that's good for this team, not only for April. I think it's good for the long run. Uh, This team's got to get tested. I can't wait to see how they can handle that first road series of the year against Baltimore. That should be a fantastic series. Can't wait for it. That place is going to be rowdy, Camden Yards. And, man, you go in there and take two of three. And now I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm talking about games that are months away. But that's going to give you confidence rolling into more. That's going to give you confidence coming back to play Chicago and then Houston, and then Toronto, and Detroit, and the Mets. And it's it's a tough one. And J.J. McCullough mentioned that. But hopefully with this team, they don't bury themselves like many teams before them right from the get-go. Okay, the next thing I want to dive into is something I've been getting questions about all day long, all week long for that matter. And it does involve Trevor Bauer. It's a touchy subject, but we're going to go ahead with it anyway. You're listening to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always give me a follow on Twitter or X at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to one of the title sponsors today in game time. As I mentioned earlier, 
you got to go get your tickets for opening day. I want that atmosphere to be electric. I want the buzz around the city. Everything about it is, is getting the blood pumping. It's getting the juices flowing. I'm excited for opening day. I'm excited for baseball. And the way I bought my tickets, I went through game time. It's so easy to use. It's so simple. And you may be asking yourself, you know, I never have issues, you know, dealing with, you know, any other uh, ticket source, any other app you may use. Maybe you go through the team store. Maybe you go through the team website is what I should probably say. But game time to me is just so easy to use, whether I'm going by myself, I'm going with multiple people, I'm going with one other person. They show you the best deals, the hottest deals, the cheapest deals, the most expensive, the best spots in the ballpark. And that's not just for Kauffman Stadium. That's not just for Arrowhead if you're a Chiefs fan. This is concerts. This is comedy shows. Anything you can think of of buying a ticket to, Game Time has you covered. So I want to make sure everybody's taken care of because after this podcast episode tonight, go and download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off on your first purchase. Those terms apply. So again, create your account and redeem code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. There is always going to be two sides to every story. Uh, This isn't just sports related. This is in life. That there's going to be two sides to everybody's story. Whether you are dealing with friends, family, work you know that if you hear one side of it there's always somebody else's story and what i've been asked about a lot lately and many of the mailbag fridays which again start sending me questions on twitter i already tweeted it out for tomorrow's episode so if you have more questions please send them my way but the last couple weeks we didn't questions about trevor bauer and i think we're all fully aware of the trevor bauer situation at this point Trevor Bauer, of course, a former Cy Young winner, uh, very familiar with him with his time in Cleveland. Um, He was popular with his YouTube channel. You know, he'd go pitch in exotic locations and he'd bring guys out to face him. I mean, really was entertaining to watch uh, before all the the stuff came out of, you know, there was sexual assault allegations. It was a whole laundry list of things that are, are really, really uncomfortable to go over. But that's not the point of this segment today. So I apologize if you were looking for that. What I keep getting asked is, why don't the Royals go after Trevor Bauer? Why is are, are they not jumping on this? He's now asking for just the league minimum to get back into Major League Baseball, right? And so it seems like a no-brainer. Everybody's you know commenting to me, seems like a no-brainer to go after Trevor Bauer. Uh, He is a former Cy Young winner. He was pretty good over in Japan last year. He was really good for the Dodgers before all this information came out. And then it kind of came out that it wasn't not even near as bad as it originally led on to be. I think there was something along the lines of he had been set up to be exploited for money. It's a very, very uncomfortable situation. It's a very tough thing to talk about. But from a baseball aspect, I've tried to attack this a couple different ways because I think to most baseball fans out there, because there's like I said, two sides to every story. There's going to be people that say, no way in hell do I want Trevor Bauer in Kansas City. And there's a large chunk of people saying, I don't, I don't care. He was proven to be innocent. It was the girl who wronged him. He's wanting the league minimum. Why not? He makes this team better. Um, I think after now seeing this information, he tweeted out the other night that he would play for the league minimum. 
I believe if it was just the money, right? If it was just the money this offseason of he's going to the winter meetings, you know, his agent is negotiating, he's wanting a lot of money. I, I could understand teams going, well, even if the situation isn't as bad as it once was, it's a distraction and now you're asking for a lot of money and I'm not sold you're still the same pitcher. That's one thing. But we've also now known for a while about the new part of this story. So in my opinion, I went, oh, he may be able to pitch again in Major League Baseball. But nobody's really jumped on it. And then it comes out, hey, I'll pitch for nothing, basically. It won't cost you anything. I still feel really good. I can pitch. And the fact still no team is jumping on it, it starts to make me wonder, is it just this story that is hanging up teams? And that, I believe, is not the case. That's why I think there are so many layers to this. And hopefully for those out there still, you know, confused, because it is a confusing thing. It's a confusing thing because, let's be honest, Major League Baseball has given second chances to guys before who have done some really awful things. I was asked about a role this Chapman. We all know the domestic violence situation. It was a little different because he was still under contract with the Yankees, I believe. So it's not like he was a free agent or he was, you know, this happened, was a free agent, and somebody had to sign him. I think that's why it's a little bit different here. And maybe you believe it's controversial. Maybe you don't believe it's controversial. But I would say that it is noteworthy. It's newsworthy for whatever team decides to give him a deal if that happens. I'm just kind of in the boat now of if 30 teams decide not to give him the league minimum, that's more than just this incident. There's more to it, whether it could be clubhouse culture, it could be his coachability, it could be that they just feel like their roster's set. Every team has their reason. But for those asking about it, of why don't the Royals give him that spot? Well, from a, a roster construction standpoint, I just have never gotten this, this hint, this vibe that they've even remotely been interested. Um, maybe it's age. He's going to be 34 this year. He's also now a couple years removed from pitching in the big leagues. Maybe they feel like the stuff's no longer there. There are many things going into this than just the, the off-field incident. I believe that's, there, that's, like I said, layers to this. There are many layers. And if it was one isolated thing, I believe one of 30 major league teams would have given him that deal. And now he's kind of getting to that point of desperation, if you will, of I'll just pitch for anything. Please just let me get another chance. And the fact nobody, at least right now, has jumped the gun, it's telling to me. Because it's not like all 30 teams have the same mentality about this. That just, that's not the case. It's a bunch of different people, different front offices. I mean, we have seen guys that have had really, really bad things happen off the field, get another chance, right? A role this Chapman got another chance with multiple teams. The Royals, it was a little bit controversial when the Royals signed him. Not really. It kind of been a couple of years. And, and maybe that's another thing here. Maybe we're not far enough removed yet. I, everybody's got a different opinion on this. And I promise you, I'm not trying to, to pick one side or the other. I'm simply trying to speak what I think Major League Baseball is doing. I just think they look at a guy who at times last year in Japan struggled. He's entering his mid-30s. Even if it is league minimum, maybe you're thinking to yourself, we feel better with our options. Now, for Royals fans, you're going to say, I think Trevor Bauer is better than Jordan Lyles. 
And until I see him pitch in the big leagues, you know, I could say the past Trevor Bauer was good. Last year's Trevor Bauer was obviously better than Jordan Lyles because everybody in baseball was better than Jordan Lyles. I just think that there has to be more to this than just the incident. Because if you have somebody, a Cy Young winner, you know, he was a Cy Young winner now four years ago was a shortened season, right? And then he was really good for the Dodgers. I mean, keep in mind, this has been a while now since he's pitched in the big leagues. I mean, off the top of my head, wasn't it 2021 that was his last year? It was after the big deal he signed with the with the Dodgers, and then L.A. was the one that cut him loose, and then baseball put that ban on him. I mean, we're talking a big-time layoff from Major League Baseball. Maybe that's factoring in. Hey, you've, you've not been pitching in the big leagues for a while now. It's been some time. Maybe it was 2022. I know it wasn't 23, and I know it wasn't – yeah, it wasn't last year. I don't think it was the year before that off the top of my head. So at the end of the day, I'm looking at this and saying, saying, even if, right, even if this situation is completely clear, like if his name was completely cleared, which I still think there's some haziness, but overall, I, I can say this, it's a lot different than what it originally broke to be, the news broke to be, you know, because I, I, it was a long, long, long document, so it was a lot to get into. I would just say that that isolated incident can't be the only reason nobody's signing him. If a former Cy Young winner and a guy that's not well into his 40s, I mean, he's entering his mid-30s, says, I'll pitch for league minimum, and he's still not getting signed, either A, he's not serious about the league minimum, or B, maybe it's a clubhouse thing, that he was a clubhouse problem. You're asking around about him. And in Cincinnati, you know, L.A. with the Dodgers, Cleveland, if he's worth it. I mean, we saw Trevor Bauer erupt on the mound, throwing the ball over the the wall in center field at Kauffman Stadium. You know, there were times that he came unglued a little bit. I don't know him personally, so I don't really like speaking on to that, but that's kind of where I'm at with this. All the questions I've gotten with Trevor Bauer, and I didn't mean to step on any toes, so don't take that for anything. I just feel like there's more to this. I know I'm repeating myself, but there's a lot more to this. And maybe by the time this podcast released, there's going to be somebody else that gives him the league minimum and he pitches again. Maybe I'm just kind of the point of if it really is true, he's going to pitch for league minimum and nobody jumps on that. I just don't see a world in which he pitches again. Maybe time though, maybe time passes and somebody does next year or the year after that. I, I can't speak to that. As for the Royals though, I've just been given no indication that they're interested. So that's uh, just kind of where I'm at at the end of the day. Hope that helped for people that were asking questions. If you disagree, totally fine. You can let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know on Twitter. I know it's kind of an uncomfortable situation. So I tried my best to answer it as best I could. Maybe I didn't do the best job, but that's what I got for you. All right, before we move on to our final segment, want to give a shout out to Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire. When we return, I'm going to give you some players that I think are going to start hot and also start cold in April for Kansas City. That's next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. Before we go any further, want to give a shout out to the other title sponsor today in FanDuel. The Super Bowl is just a few days away, so go celebrate over at FanDuel at America's number one sportsbook. 
If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I love the prop bets personally. already placed a, a few bets there. The totals are fun to bet with as well. If you just want to bet on the spread, who's going to win that game? I'm not going to fault you because if you feel confident in yourself, why not go ahead and do it at FanDuel? Because they've got so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or even three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Back to this point of the tough schedule in April. I've had a couple of guys pop up in my head as to who I think will start hot and who I think will start cold. Um, the no-brainer to me, because he really hasn't had an offseason. He, he's had no days off. It's Michael Garcia. I think Michael Garcia makes a lot of sense to come in in spring training, be one of the hotter hitters, and carry that into the regular season. I, I think that, you know, for the most part last year, he wasn't that much of a streaky hitter. Uh, he definitely had a long slump, but he was not hot and cold all the time. You know, he he really felt like he had that level of consistency, especially the top spot of the lineup. I think. That's a safe bet to me. Somebody that's been playing since the end of the regular season, he gets a ton of work in Venezuela in the Winter League. That's somebody I think really has a good chance to be one of the team's top hitters from the get-go. Number two, I don't know what it is about him, but I think Michael Massey may actually have a hot start. Uh, sometimes those guys that have a lot of people doubting them have such low expectation are the ones that pop are the ones that all of a sudden have things come together and you feel like, man, they could be poised for a really good year. Massey's one of them. He's got some competition now at second base. Would not shock me for him to have a good spring training and be one of those teams, consistent hitters at the bottom part of the order. I think he is somebody that has hurt a lot. I think he is somebody that is ready to prove a lot of people wrong. And I'm just saying, I don't think I'd be that surprised if he was one of the better hitters on this team. In the same way, I remember Nicky Lopez in his 300 hitting season. Nobody wanted Nicky Lopez on the roster because Alberto Mondesi was having a good spring. And it was like, that's the shortstop of the future. And then Alberto Mondesi got hurt. Surprise, surprise. And Nicky Lopez took over it short, was a gold glover over there, at least felt like a gold glover, and then hit 300. You know, it's because everybody was doubting him, right? I could see the same thing happening for Michael Massey. Three for me, he told us he's felt like a caged animal. It's Vinny Pasquantino. I think Vinny knows that last year he kind of had a slow start because of the shoulder injury. It was bugging him. Man, he seems healthy. He's telling everybody he feels the best that he's felt. I know you can joke about that and say the best shape of my life. I don't know, though. I think Vinny Pasquantino is really, really poised to have not only a great start, a damn good season. I've already stuck my neck out there and said that he's going to be an all-star for this team this year. So by that matter, or for by that math, that measurement, I think that he's going to be one of the hotter hitters in all of April. So he's my third one. Obviously, I could throw Bobby Witt Jr. in there. I, I It's tough for him because he's got such high expectation now. And even if he does start slow, I'm not too worried about it. 
Um, I think for the pitchers, the rotation, it wouldn't shock me if Cole Reagan's had a little bit of a regression, but he's not on the cold list for me. Um, I think the rotation can be stable. You benefit off the cold weather. You know, you're not going to have lineups that are you know, knocking all over the ballpark, high exit velocities. Everybody's going to be cold, freezing, and you're throwing 98, 99, 100, and jamming hitters. You're going to have your way with them early on in the year. I do think somebody that's going to start a little bit slow feels like a, a Nelson Velasquez to me. And I hate saying that because you know how big of a fan I am of Nelly Nukes. I just think that it's going to take some adjustment. But I also think he's going to have a really good year for them in the DH spot. Sometimes, though, when fans put that expectation on you and you've never really had it, it's destined to have a little bit of a setback. This is why I brought up Cole Reagans as well. When fans put all this pressure on you, wow, you know, Nelson Velasquez had 17 home runs and barely any games. Well, he should hit 30 or 35 or 40. It's going to take some time to adjust. He's never been an everyday big leaguer before. He's never been an everyday big leaguer when it mattered this early in the season. It does matter a lot for the Royals. So he's somebody I think may have a slower start, but in the the grand scheme of things in the long run, I care about his approach in April more than the numbers. Uh, If he's going to be improving his walk rate, the strikeout numbers are cut down a little bit. I can see him really having that tear once it heats up a little bit. And once it heats up, look out, because we've seen the power that he possesses. Number two, you know, it it is tough to say this player is going to start slow and have fans buy in. It just, it's not going to surprise me either if Kyle Isbell starts a little bit slow. I also am okay with a slow start offensively because of the defense. The defense is that good. Just be serviceable at the plate. Like I said, when I'm saying cold, I'm not meaning last year where you're hitting 114 or 115 and your OBP is south of 200. That's unplayable. That's not cold. I'm just saying you know, a little bit of a slower start. Maybe you're hitting 220. Maybe you're hitting 230. Not driving in as many runs. Not really showing the power numbers. You go through a couple slumps. You have that series where you're 0 for 9 or 0 for 10 with 5Ks. It happens. But to me, that's who I think is going to start hot this year. And that's who I think is going to start just a little bit cold when the weather is also pretty cold. The places they'll be playing early on in the season. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter or X at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. Before we say goodbye, one last shout out to Lockdown Sports today. It's here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Find out, find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire. For our episode tomorrow, keep getting your questions in because it will be yet another Mailbag Friday. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.